Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me big. T.C. Martin. Because you are a character doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. One, two, three, four. All right, don't forget, join us at the Westgate on Friday, our Friday home, the world-famous Superbook. Yes, the largest in the world. Broadcasting live each and every Friday from 2 to 4 p.m., our Best Bet segment, and a whole lot more. And don't forget, our good friend Jay Schrader, who joins us uh, on Fridays. Remember to vote for Jay, as he is the Raiders nominee for the 2022 Salute to Service Award. You can vote at NFL.com. And of course, we know Jay, a huge advocate for the veterans and his charities, the Liberty Projects, uh, Shiloh Ranch, the headquarters for Jay's um, uh, Liberty Projects uh, venture. Fantastic. Uh, where Jay's commitment to supporting the military extends to his daily dealings there at the Shiloh Ranch, helps advocate and raise money for the charitable organization dedicated to the preservation and the well-being of our veterans and, of course, the American Wild Mustangs. The ranch allows veterans an outlet to interact with horses for training, rehabilitation, and camaraderie. And uh love talking to Jay about the Liberty Projects. Remember, he has a golf tournament that happens uh, every June as well, too. And uh, he is the Raiders nominee for the Salute to Service Award. So some teams have current players. Some have alumnus. Jay Schrader is the Raiders uh, nominee for the Salute to Service Award. So you have a couple weeks to get your votes in. So please vote for Jay at NFL.com. Scroll down to the Salute to Service uh, voting icon there. All right. Speaking of icons, uh, join us now. Our, our very good friend, longtime offensive tackle. Of course, 11 years in the NFL Eight with the Raiders, three-time Pro Bowler, and of course, currently the game analyst on the Las Vegas Radio's Raider Network. Big time Lincoln Kennedy. What is going on, Link? What's happening, man? How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. Hey, great seeing you uh uh there on on Sunday, uh, of course, doing your thing. Yeah. And I love I love the way, you know, like me, you got time to squeeze in a couple hot dogs there uh, you know, prior to the broadcast. You got to squeeze it in because you got to keep that stomach as 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 upset as possible because the product we're going to see on the field is going to make you nauseous. So you got to have something to throw up. You can't have dry heat that hurts the chest too much. This is it. This is speaking from the veteran Lincoln Kennedy. All right, man. So I want to get into all kinds of stuff from you because you know this organization so well. Been around it around of it for for such a long time. But let's just talk about Sunday's game because I, I think. Most fans expected the the Raiders to have a much better performance. Heck, I mean, they're playing a Colts team that was in disarray, maybe more of a mess than the Raiders were. But as uh, as we saw on Sunday, uh, the Colts looked like the team that we expected the Colts to be back in September. Matt Ryan came back to play. He was fantastic. I wonder, what were your biggest takeaways from Sunday's game? Um, for the Colts side or for the Raiders side? The Raiders side. I mean, just in general. I mean, you're sitting there broadcasting this game. And I said this to Lincoln last week. I said, I really was intrigued with this game. Even though it was, you know, two teams coming in, the Raiders with two victories and the Colts with three, I thought it was very intriguing for everything that's taken place with these two teams because I did not know basically how to handicap this game. I didn't know what was going to transpire in this game. So I guess let's start with that and then tell me, you know, what you noticed while you were broadcasting the game? Well, for the past month, when you go back to even the New Orleans game, I thought that they were games the Raiders should have won. Uh, and, 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 of course, look, I think the Saints stink. 
I think I think the the Jaguars stink. I think the Colts stink. And since we lost all of them, it must mean the Raiders stink. But to, to, to keep it real, um, you know, from what I saw, it's like you, you're waiting to see that light of consistency go off, if it's possible. And what I mean by that is with the, all the turmoil, all the distractions, all the IRs, and and the, the underperforming, you would wait. You, you're just hoping that maybe a team that you you should you should be able to dominate, maybe that maybe that's the team that this is the game where it happens, and. You know, the, the first quarter was really disappointing because the Raiders went three, three and outs. Derek Carr did not complete a pass. Most of the series they had out of those three outs, they were going backwards or they weren't getting enough uh, yards, so they were forced to punt. And then meanwhile, I'm looking on the other side of the ball and I'm seeing Matt Ryan running the RPO. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Matt Ryan is running the RPO? And, and, that, that's what it, and I said, if we can't beat a geriatric quarterback Running the RPO, something's definitely wrong, mm-hmm. and 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 then that that's exactly what happened. That's what transpired at the game. Now we saw flashes and bright points, obviously, but I, I've come to the realization that the, the the coaches that are in place do not have the players to implement their systems, mm-hmm. and that's I'm, I'm, I'm firmly believing. I, I've I've given up hope because everything that transpired on paper at the beginning of the season, what we didn't see in the preseason, and we thought we were going to see in the regular season, hasn't come to fruition. And now the system that they play, they just don't have the right personnel to do it. And so it's going to be a struggle for them here from here on out. Mm-hmm. You know, we look at this from the product on the field and the, and the structure of the team off the field. Let, let's start with Josh McDaniels. What do you think of Josh McDaniels as a head coach? Because we got a chance to see him years and years ago in Denver, and it seems like the, he looks like to be the, the same coach. He's lost 24 of his last 31 games. How much of this falls on him as a head coach? And I understand it's not his players, him and Dave Ziegler. You know, Mark Davis gave him a vote of confidence, which I, I understand. I get that. But just from you know, the standpoint of X's and O's and then the lack of execution, what you're seeing on the field, how would you grade Josh McDaniels through the first nine games? Well, to be fair, if you're a coach and you don't have the players that you think can implement your system, you can either do one or two things about it. You can just continue to just try to push through it and see if you can maybe make a square peg fit in a round hole, or you can try to change your system up to adjust to the players that you have. With that being said, I think Josh McDaniels has been trying to do the latter. The problem becomes is that you still have too far of consistent players, whomever is out there. I mean, you look at it, you see flashes like, for example, you know what you got from Devontae Adams, okay? You know what you're going to get. You're an all-pro receiver who can do run every route, who can you know go up, especially a one-on-one. But you also see teams are going to double-team him, try to take him out of the equation. And you got to try to get creative to get him the football. But you can't force him the football. And there are times where number four, Derek Carr, tries to go out there and force him the football because he's been told, let's get the ball to Devontae Adams. That's not, you know, that, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't always work. Conversely, if you're, you know, you're, you're trying to implement a system to where you've got, you've got ways that you can stretch the field with your speedy tight end. Oh, your speedy tight end's not available. Now you're going to go with Foster Moreau. Not as quick, obviously, not as fast, not the difference maker like Darren Waller. And sometimes he doesn't run the right routes. Oh, that's not on the falls on Josh McDaniels. That falls on personnel. That's that's what I'm talking about. The inconsistency yep. of, uh, ex- execution. So to be fair, I don't think we really really had have had a true sample size of how either effective or ineffective Josh McDaniels is if he doesn't have players that he needs to implement a system. Now, 
you know, when you go back to his days in Denver and when he had Tim Tebow, I can think of many games during that season where it just seemed like Tim Tebow was improvising as a quarterback, which you don't see. But even back then, you didn't see a lot of the NFL having around running quarterbacks. Uh, and, and that was the difference maker. Um, and, and then it's just a matter of effort and accountability to me on the player side. And to be honest with you, I just don't see it unanimously. I, I see spots of it. But consistency? No, I, I don't see that at all. What do you see from Josh McDaniels as far as from a leadership standpoint? Hard to tell because I don't have access to the locker room or the team playing or being around them in general. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, totally. Makes so, sense. I mean, I, I don't want I don't want to comment on something just out of the side of my neck. I, no, I just I appreciate you know, when that. You, yeah. When you're when to me a head coach on a football team is a manager. I've never liked the head coaches calling plays. Mm-hmm. Offense, defense, otherwise. I I need you to manage the game. I need you to manage because I read body language, and and if I'm out there, I don't want to worry about calling the next play. I don't want to worry about should I call a timeout or should I go for a fourth down. I want to be as a manager, even as an offensive uh, offensive minded manager. If if I have an offensive coordinator and I'm in four down territory, I'm telling them, hey, when we get the ball back, we're in four down territory. We're not putting the ball, so you need to have four plays lined up. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to think about it. To where I'm running down time, running down time on the play clock, and then I, you have to use a timeout. Hmm. Or it, it, you know, you got players out on the field that are looking at the sideline. Hey, what's the play? What's the play? And you don't have an answer. See that 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 to me is too much. So that's just my personal feeling aside. I've never liked a head coach that's a play caller. And and when it comes to leadership, you know, when you talk about on the other side of the ball this past Sunday, Jeff Saturday was always a motivator, even when, even when he played. I played in Pro Bowl with him. I, I I know him personally. I know how good of a guy he is. So for him to motivate the coaches to get the best out of their players and for him to manage the game, that's what a head coach is to me. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you totally. And I think that's you know when fans look at Josh Rudan and not knowing him or like I said being in the locker room, you know fans will jump in and say, "Well, this guy looks pretty stoic." They look at the body language from the players on the sideline, and you see kind of a lack of fire. And then you see the losses start piling up. And then when they when you see a team lose all these you know close games, I mean the Raiders zero and six in one score games. I mean obviously that is reflective, I guess, on the coach. I mean it's always. You know, if you're winning or losing, as we well know, it's the head coach and the quarterback. They're going to come under scrutiny. And, you know, again, when you look at Josh McDaniel, he just doesn't look like to to have that fire or does he have the guy's attention? And so those are just question marks, I think, that a lot of people, you know, would like to know. And again, when you look at his body of work, just from a wins and losses standpoint, I mean, it, it is not good. Now... Mark Davis yeah, came out. And, and that, that, Go ahead. Go ahead, Lincoln. No, I was just, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no. I'm just saying that that's, see, that's the thing. So when you, you know, when you, when you hear people in the Raider Nation calling for Josh McDaniels to be fired, look, the, the, the sad part of it is uh, during the last regime for John Gruden, you know, no one was expecting what happened to John Gruden to happen to John Gruden. Um, and when Gruden came in, he turned over the roster then. He got rid of a bunch of likable guys, including Khalil Mack and so on and so forth, to, to, to get draft picks. Those draft picks, for the most part, other than Josh Jacobs, aren't on the team anymore. And and it's and it's you know, you can you can put whatever, you know, blame you want or push put a, put a finger at what you want, but there is something to be said about a coaching staff and a new staff coming in and whether or not they want to hang their hat on certain players. And and be, because that holds them viable. And that holds them you know, liable for it to, to see if, if, they can, if it can actually work. 
and I, I don't feel that the players they have on this roster can implement the coaches' systems on both sides of the ball. All right. Lincoln Kennedy uh, joins us. Of course, Lincoln, longtime offensive tackle, eight years with the Raiders, 11 in the league, and uh, currently the game analyst on the Raiders radio network. Derek Carr's comments, you heard him after the game, a very emotional Derek Carr. We've always you know, seen Derek wear his emotions on his sleeves. He used the term pissed off, actually called out some teammates and was saying basically that not everyone is may not be as invested as he might be. Uh, when you hear those comments, what are your thoughts? I expect my quarterback to take responsibility after every game because as an offensive lineman, I've always felt that quarterbacks get far too much blame when things go wrong and far too much praise when things go right, just like coaches. And it's a team game. You know, Tom Brady's regarded as the greatest quarterback ever, but he didn't win all those games by himself. Right. You know, most of the time when you see guys, I always go back to the example of Hall of Famers, when you see uh, guys going into the Hall of Fame and they're, you know, they're touted high, like you take the Cowboys trio uh, going into the Hall of Fame, you know, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, and Troy Aikman, and not one of the offensive linemen during the era was put in until, what was it, it was um, uh, the, the, the guard, but he only played a couple of years under that trio. So what happened to all the offensive linemen? You think they got, their, they got all those accolades themselves? <laughs> they did it all by themselves. So my point is this, is that I, I do believe that Derek should take responsibility after every game. Mm-hmm. And I believe that a quarterback should go up and say, you know what? I need to play better. Mm-hmm. Or we did some good things, but we, I, we can play better. I need to play better. And so I don't mind the emotion from Derek, but what you don't want to do, and this is what I have to you know, worry about, even as a former player now in the media spotlight, is be careful calling out players. Right. Because I remember having a specific conversation back in the day with Jeff George. When Jeff George came over to the Falcons when I was there, it was off the heels of him being in Indianapolis. And you seeing, seeing excerpts of him calling out his lineman after being hit or giving up a sack. And I told Jeff George, I said, if you ever call me out during the game, the next play is going to be a lookout block. I'm going to turn around and yell, lookout. <laughs> You can take that to the bank. And, you know, of course, and he had his, oh, I'm just saying, don't you ever embarrass me like that. I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to be a professional. I'm trying to do my job. And that's what I'm critical of when it comes to critiquing players that play now. Mm -hmm. I have never been demonstrative in any way or talking down players like they can't do things. I know players who can't do things well, and I'm hoping that they can be better. But I would never, ever go out and publicly call them out and be like, well, they're trash and they're not doing their right. job and stuff like that. No, you know, that, that, that's not me. So, you know, my thing, and then to sort of be a roundabout way for your answer, you know, I appreciate the emotion. I appreciate the passion that Derek has shown over that, that press conference and stuff like that. But just be very mindful and very careful of your words because this is a team and you're the leader of a team. So you've got to be responsible for your efforts, your play first before you try to talk about others. What do you feel are the effects of this locker room after players hearing his comments and then put this into context too, where you're coming off these you know, three horrendous losses and we know that locker room was just a, it was like, you know, a funeral, you know, afterwards and knowing that you have all this disappointment, you're frustrated, you see Devontae Adams, you hear Devontae Adams, and then again, you know, Carr's comments and everything. What are the effects of this locker room this week and going forward? 
you got to be very careful at the timing of when we're talking about these events and where we are with the season. Mm-hmm. What are we? What are we at? Week ten, yeah. so we still have seven, eight weeks left, or whatever yeah. it is. You got eight games left. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you, my my thought pattern is this: is that I've been on teams that weren't going anywhere. I've been on the four and twelve. Been the face. I think I've been on the three and thirteen um, team that wasn't going anywhere. If I'm not mistaken, there are times where in the season where you're like. Man, I just need to get through this healthy because I want to go to Jamaica in February. Right. You know what I mean? That type of thing. You're thinking about vacation. And then when you have that, then the coaches lost the locker room. The leaders of the team have lost the locker room. And what we used to refer to um, um, on, on, uh, on payday was that you had guys who were going into the facility stealing because they're just taking their paycheck and, and covering their mouth and not doing anything else. Right. So uh, you got to be careful about that. And, and, and that's what. You know, when you hear things or when we hear things in the media, because we're not privy there every day, we hear that, oh, this is a great week of practice. And, oh, this is just And you get your hopes up because potentially, even on paper, we had high expectations of what this team should be like. We've seen flashes of brilliance, like, oh, my gosh, they look like gang slayers. They can do anything. And it's inconsistent. And so... You know, at this particular junction, when you start to think all is glim and 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 there's no there, there's no future, oh man, let's just get through this. Then the scores will get even more lopsided. The performances will be, will be even worse. And just like they were past this past Sunday at Legion Stadium, I've always said there's no one who's above the boo. The boo birds are going to come out more frequently and more often. What do you expect to see going forward, starting with this week against Denver? And like you said, I mean, considering you're two and seven, considering everything that we're talking about here, what do you expect to see? The good thing about the timing of this Bronco game is that the Raiders, the past two coaching staffs have basically owned the Broncos. That's a good thing. Right. I don't know what you make of it, but that's a good thing. Um, going outside, and if, you, and if you're a player who's passionate about riding the ship, the only thing that you can do is be accountable for your own play. That's the only thing you can do. So if, if collectively, if you can find 11 guys at a time on the football field who have that passion, who have that level of accountability, uh, who want to be better and want to do that, and they go out and play, they should beat the Broncos. But I said that about the Saints. I said that about the Colts. I said, you know, it's about the Broncos. I mean, the, the, the Jaguars. The Jaguars. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so least I'm hoping to see a good performance. Besides, I like to talk about positive stuff. I don't like this negative crap. <laughs> is there a silver lining, Link? What is the silver lining with this team? I mean, we see Derek Carr. I mean, it, the, the, the strike that he threw to Devontae Adams for that touchdown is phenomenal. But then again, you know, next pass or one prior to that, it's like, you know, an, an underthrow or an overthrow. It's like, what's going on? And not just singling him out, but we just, and you hit the nail on the head earlier. You said inconsistencies. That's exactly what you have with this team. It just predominant inconsistencies on both sides of the ball, including special teams, I guess, too. I guess if there's a silver lining, there's, it's the possibility that it's not, it, it's, it's not like we haven't seen it so far this year. You know, we, we, we saw that one drive in, in Jacksonville where Devontae Adams was unstoppable. Right. You know, getting catching. I mean, and you saw that. And then, you know, you, and as you referred to in the, in the Colts game, the strike that Derek Carr threw to Devontae was beautiful. You know, and the touchdown, the defender ran down, he touched down after that. But we come back, and, and then whether it was earlier or later in the moment, I can't remember exactly, but, um, you know, to throw it into triple coverage because you're trying to force the ball to him, what are you doing? 
you know, that, that's that's a no-no. That could be, you know, that, that could be trouble. So the, the, to answer your question, the silver lining is the fact that we've seen flashes of beautiful plays. You know, Matt Collins, for all it's worth, man, I, man, I really appreciate him because this guy runs all the deep routes and on, on all the plays, and then he has to turn around and become gunner for special teams or run a special teams. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I must sleep well at night, but you know, you appreciate people like that. And even times, even a game like he had in Tennessee where he had that breakout game, no one had ever heard of Matt Collins like that before, you know, but he came out. So we've seen flashes of, we know it's, we know it's there, but as far as the level of consistency, it hasn't been present, even in the Raiders wins. And they only have two of them, but it's still, it's not there. Two victories against the Houston Texans, the only team that has a worse record than the Raiders. And of course, the Denver Broncos, where they got that game earlier uh, at home. And now the Raiders will get a chance to go face Denver on the road this week. And, and that team's a mess too, as we know. I mean, they just have not been able to get it yeah. together with, with Russell Wilson. And, uh, but hey, v- another very winnable game for the Raiders. Yeah, very winnable. And, you know, in, re- in reference to the Texans game, don't forget, you know, a guy by the name of Davis Mills yeah. <laughs> out of Stanford who nobody knows. Yeah. So, you know, toasted the Raiders for over 300 yards. He did. So there's yeah. a formula. There's a formula to beat the Raiders, and a number of teams have used it, even without having all the talent like some of the other, like the Chiefs or other people. And so, you know, the, the Raiders have to be mindful of that on the defensive side. But the last thing you want to do is Russell Wilson's not having a good season, and he and he looks like a, a two hundred million dollar bank robber. But uh, for the most part, you know, you would never want the capability of probably a future Hall of Famer waking up when he's playing you. I just don't think you like talking uh, you know, positive about any guys from Stanford. I mean, Davis Mills, you know, you're, you're Husky. You're oh, no, it's not, it's, not, it's not just about Stanford. I mean, come on now, Davis Mills. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, man. Anytime <laughs> yeah. I can throw a college reference in, I'm going to do it, man. So there you go. Link- it's all good. I, hey, look, I got to do the Stanford Cal game this week in a big game. I'm looking forward to that, though. There you go, man. All right, bring your tuba, okay? There you go. <laughs> Link, I appreciate you, brother. Uh, have a nice trip to Denver. And uh, also, yeah, the college uh, games you're doing as well, yeah. too, man. And l- look forward to seeing you again, man, real soon. I appreciate it, man. Have a good one. I'll talk to you later. You got it, brother. There is Linky Kennedy, my guy. Longtime Raider. Man, he loves the silver and black. But, hey, telling it like it is, we appreciate that. You can catch Lincoln part of the Las Vegas Raiders radio network. All right, one hour down, one to go. Here on this terrible Tuesday, we've got some terrible Tuesday takes coming for you next hour as well. So hang tight with that. Sam Gordon is going to join us, and we dissect the Raiders, talk a little boxing as well. All that and a heck of a lot more coming your way on this Tuesday. Tuesday.